Welcome to MedTech Talk, a weekly sit-down with the innovators, investors, and executives leading the MedTech sector. Now, here's your host, Tom Salemi. Hi, welcome back to MedTech Talk podcast. I'm your host, Tom Salemi. We're about one month away from the MedTech Investing Conference, which takes place on May 6th. Uh, So please uh, do check out medtechconference.com for details of the event. Uh, The next day, on May 7th, we're actually holding a second event called the Payer Provider Venture Summit. And today I'm speaking with Matt Herman, who is Senior Managing Director of Ascension Ventures, one of the older uh, provider-backed investment groups in the U.S. Uh, Matt was involved in its founding in 2001 when Ascension raised uh, its first fund. It has gone on to raise two more and now has over $500 million of capital under management. More importantly, it represents hundreds of hospitals, multiple systems, and uh, coverage of uh, 46 states in the U.S. So Ascension Ventures really uh, draws from a very large and widespread uh, hospital base in the U.S., which, of course, is a valuable uh, resource for medtech startups trying to enter uh, the healthcare industry. So today, Matt will talk about Ascension's history, uh, its investment process, uh, its outlook on various sectors, and uh, Matt will offer his own views on what healthcare and investing will look like in the near future. Matt Herman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Matt, we've been talking for uh, over a decade. You and I spoke first when you raised your $125 million fund for your, your first fund, or $125 million for your first fund in 2001. Uh, to be sure, back there, there were a few service companies, I think insurers mostly, that were investing in startups, but not to the level that we're seeing it today. Did you envision this this happening? Did you see a day when you know providers would become such influential investors in med tech, digital health, and other fields? Tom, it's a great question, and I, I wish I had the crystal ball to say yes, I foresaw this day coming, um, but honestly, I didn't. What I saw as, a, as the opportunity is that a, a business model like ours around sort of what I call corporate strategic venture capital really could make a difference and benefit all participants. And that was the sort of leap that I decided to take when I signed up for this. And it's gone exceedingly well. And as you've pointed out, the market is, uh, is really come to us as, as corporate and strategic investors are filling the gap, especially in areas like medtech, where traditional venture investing has gotten a lot harder to attract. How did you come to uh, to lead this group? What were you doing before this? Before this, I was uh, living and working in New York City for a first-time venture fund called Atlantic Medical, and we, at the time, were investing in healthcare services and healthcare IT businesses. And why does Ascension and its LPs uh, invest in startups? What was the objective of the program when it first got started, and, and has it changed at all over the years? So to me, the answer to that is pretty simple. Uh, uh, Ascension, who's our founding limited partner and who is the owner of our business, is dedicated to transforming healthcare in this country across the care continuum. So our ability to strategically plug into that 
and add value, I think is item number one, and I, that falls under the, the strategic value element. But number two, and, and, and probably more important, given we are uh, constantly attracting outside limited partner interest, is we've got to deliver an appropriate risk-adjusted return. So you are measured on return? We are measured on return, and in our model, we have a measure uh, around the number of adoptions of companies that our limited partners in, uh, purchase or get involved with that we have either invested in or introduced to them. That's a lot of, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of forecasting and, and sort of uh, events that you have to account for when you're, when you're making an investment. Not only do you have to evaluate the, 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 the potential of the technology engage the commercial opportunity but then you also have to get a have a sense of what your bosses your limited partners really want to see in a product uh, i totally agree tom but that's the beauty of the model right the model before we invest we take these companies that excite us from an investment perspective to our limited partners to get their feedback on the value proposition. How important of a priority is this for their organization? And that feedback really feeds into our investment decision, but quite often also generates some early customers and early interactions between the, the hopeful portfolio company and our limited partner base. Is that your sort of de facto investment committee, those limited partners? If you see a deal that you think is very attractive and, and, and checks all your boxes and you take it to your LPs and for some reason or another they don't see things the same way, is that, uh, is that the end of that potential, that investment? So I, I think in an ideal world, what we are looking for are very attractive investments that also are aligned with the strategic objectives of our limited partners and that our limited partners ultimately become customers of. We are very clear that our job is the investment decision job. It's our limited partner's job to make the determination as to whether they want to be a customer or not. And how have your connections uh, helped a portfolio company? Say they've, they've They've, they've cleared the first hurdle. Your LPs like the, like the company and the potential for the technology. You've made that investment. What happens then once you're an investor in a company? What, how do you, do you serve as a liaison between your company and the LPs, or do you take sort of a, a hands-off approach and, and let uh, business take its course? Yeah, so I, I, I tend to think of our strategic values starting not once we make an investment, but actually when we're doing our due diligence. So there's several examples. One, where our venture team got excited, and through our channels, we introduced the senior executives of a, of a potential portfolio company to senior executives at several of our limited partners to gauge their interest in a strategic relationship, partnership with this early stage, big vision company very valuable to, to that portfolio company, very valuable to us. In addition, there's another example that sort of fits into that realm where one of our limited partners was a customer of a, of a company that we were very interested in, 
but hadn't been exposed to their broader strategic vision. So we were able to assemble an expert panel across our limited partners to get their reaction to the strategic direction the company was looking to grow, which benefited the company, benefited us, and benefited our limited partners, some of whom were customers, some of whom weren't, about this exciting company. I think the other piece that happens uh, as part of our process is that because we're part of a health system, we understand how to market and communicate value propositions to provider organizations. And I think what we've been able to do is really be helpful to some great companies to really help them advance some of their marketing messages, how they describe what they're doing, because as you know, it's getting a lot harder to sell into healthcare given the competing priorities, shortage of capital, and the need to make advancements in so many areas. Do you typically take a, a board seat and, and do you communicate with the company through that through that channel? So we are usually always a board member or observer. There are a few examples when um, we've been neither, uh, but given our primary responsibility is, is, is as an investor, and what we try to do is bring that voice of the provider to the boardroom, but we are not hung up on always being on the board. We are comfortable in some of the growth equity stage companies we've invested in being a board observer if we have an existing relationship with, with the, the lead investor. Great, Matt. I want to get your take on the, uh, the broader healthcare market. We'll uh, break for this message and we'll be right back. To register for the MedTech Investing Conference, visit medtechconference.com. While you're in Minneapolis, plan to attend our inaugural Payer Provider Venture Summit, a first-of-its-kind meeting targeting the hospitals and insurance companies leading healthcare reform. Go to ppvsummit.com. And we're back. Matt, so how do you, I know when you initially started out or when, when Ascension initially started out, you were investing uh, heavily in life sciences. Uh, you did biotech, which I thought was, was interesting, and medtech, of course. Has your, uh, your strategy uh, changed at all over the years? Uh, what, what areas and sectors do you find, uh, to find most appealing these days? So our, our strategy really has not changed at all. Um, Tom, from the time I started, we've always been investing in three verticals that I describe as healthcare services, healthcare IT, and medical devices. What's, what has changed is the market, and as a result, we've adapted to that by really expanding the kinds of companies we invest in. When, I, when Ascension Ventures got started, we were really focused on commercial stage businesses, leveraging the knowledge of our limited partners to help evaluate what the adoption curve for these solutions would be. But what's happened over time is that our limited partners see all the changes coming to healthcare, and they are wanting to engage at earlier and earlier stages with companies that could help them solve an increasing array of problems. As a result, we've done a couple of seed stage investments where one of our limited partners has been an early customer, a development partner. At the same time, given all the complexity in healthcare, um, and some of the challenges that I discussed earlier about how it's getting harder to sell into health systems, 
some of our friends in the late stage venture and growth equity side are realizing that there's value in having someone like us involved in their businesses, and they are reaching out and inviting us to participate. So the real changes have happened more in the terms of the stage of the company we're investing. Now, within each segment, those segments are constantly changing because they each have their own what I call sine wave curve about when they're in favor and out of favor. And as you know, healthcare IT is, is a red-hot area right now, especially in some sub-segments. Healthcare services is very attractive to us. And the medtech sector is one that's still important to us, although it's getting harder to do deals because there's fewer investors. How high is, is your profile and, and the profile of other um, provider and, and payer-backed investment groups? Are, are they seen as, uh, as uh, integral parts of a syndicate today and you, and you see every deal that really you need to see? Or are you, is there still a need to get the word out about uh, this opportunity for, for companies to get capital insight directly from the payers and providers that really will determine whether or not their company is a success? I think it's becoming more widely known that corporate venture capital is available, and I think that's in part because of the large number of organizations that see all the changes coming to healthcare and realize that having a venture effort as part of their innovation in initiative is a really smart thing to do. I do think we are getting included in more and more opportunities as more folks appreciate the value of what organizations like ours can do. Um, but a lot of it also gets back to the personal relationships and the past working experiences that folks have working with your firm and the people within your firm. How do you balance? Is there is there a conflict between uh, two of your objectives? On one hand, you, you want to be a solid investor, and you mentioned healthcare IT, which is a really hot area and has a lot of great innovation coming out of there. But in turn, I suspect valuations are very high. So as, a, as an investor, perhaps you are reluctant to wade into those waters. But you've got LPs behind you who say, that's what we need. Those are the technologies we, technologies we want. Is there a, a conflict that you're sort of uh, caught in between constantly with, with those sorts of investments? So if, if I can ask you to paint a picture in your mind of, of four boxes on one row is investment attractive and on the other adoption attractive. The sweet spot for us is when you can put an X in the area where the adoption's attractive, not unattractive, and the investment opportunity is attractive, not unattractive. We have the opportunity to get involved in situations where it's just investment attractive and maybe the adoption may not be as attractive, but that's not our sweet spot. Fascinating. And, and just finally, uh, what changes do you see occurring in, in healthcare delivery over the next five years? You've been doing this uh, for over a decade now, so you've seen where we were, you, you, you know where we are. Uh, where do you think we're going to be? What, what is something that might surprise us uh, in the coming years? So I, I see a couple of really major trends that are, are really playing into our world. And one is really consumerism and how that is changing, how everybody is thinking about healthcare. Um, and, and that will have deep-rooted implications for every part of this ecosystem. 
I also see the growing importance of this, what I call population health to precision medicine continuum, where we need to figure out the right way to titrate to, in order to deliver the best population health care and the best personalized health care. Um, we're also going to start to span location and geography in ways that we have only begun to imagine. And as a result, I think when we go through this transformation, we're going to end up with a system that I think each of us wants to be treated in when we become older or get sick. Great. Well, it is an exciting time in healthcare, and uh, happy to be working with you on uh, this podcast and also the Payer Provider Venture Summit. It's going to be a very exciting and uh, interesting uh, meeting. So uh, thanks for your help in, in putting that together, and, and thanks for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome. I think uh, that, that uh, event will be very exciting, and I encourage folks to come. Thanks again, Matt Herman, for joining us today, and thank you for your work on the Payer Provider Venture Summit. I hope you'll all join us on May 7th in Minneapolis, the day after the MedTech Investing Conference. Uh, those two days, I think, are going to be important ones for healthcare investors of all stripes. So for information about the Payer Provider Venture Summit, go to ppvsummit.com. And of course, for information about the MedTech Investing Conference, go to medtechconference.com. And we'll see you at both events in Minneapolis. Join the innovators, entrepreneurs, and investors who are changing healthcare at MedTech Investing Conference on May 6th in Minneapolis. The premier event in MedTech Investing will bring together the industry's investors, entrepreneurs, strategics, and regulatory professionals in one of the country's richest MedTech communities, Minneapolis. This must-attend conference will leave attendees with the insights and connections necessary to find their own sure path to success. To register for the MedTech Investing Conference, go to www.medtechconference.com.